Today, we're going to look at a topic that is very important to our lives about something that affects every one of us, and that is the fall of man. We are going to look at the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. Now, there's one thing I'd like to mention here. It's very easy to think that God made this earth for man. That is not true. God made this earth to glorify himself. This is not man's world. This is God's world. And we're going to see this morning just how man brought great sorrow into this world. We're going to look at the fall of man. We're going to begin right away in the first chapter of Genesis, verse 26. First verse, I mean, the first chapter of Genesis tells about the way God created the plant life, the mountains, the hills, the sky, the oceans, how he created this world. Now we look at verse 26 in chapter 1. And we look at the sixth day of creation. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God created them, male and female created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, and, the, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Here we see verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. He didn't create another God. This world is not going to be filled with a lot of different gods. No, one God, but in God's image. In other words, he was going to make a creation that would be in harmony with him. A creation that will love him, that will be with him, that will share God's glory. This creation is man. It says here, he created them male of creation. Now, when we look at this man, we have to picture one thing. This man that God created was not just some average person. He was a perfect creation. It was very easy for us when we look at at, at Adam and Eve, picture Adam and Eve as a bunch of nice, happy little people living in a garden where all is good, right? That's the, wrong, that's the wrong impression. The right view is made God, in, God made man in his own image. Man was a perfect being. 
God created in man a perfect being. He knew what he wanted. He made man. Man could think very highly intelligent. He could communicate with God, and God could communicate with him. So we have this beautiful, perfect creature being created by God, placed in Eden, a perfect environment. Call this man Adam. So we look now, look over to the second chapter of Genesis. Now that we see Adam created, a perfect being. Genesis 2.15. See this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now this tells us a lot. Here is a perfect creation. Sin wasn't around, right? There was no sin. There was no sin in this environment. But yet, what does God's word say here? You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. In other words, Adam had to have knowledge of death, right? But there was no death. Adam was perfect. And yet, Adam was so perfectly made, such high intelligence, that when God said, if you violate my law, my commandments, you will die. So he had a knowledge of what death must be, right? You don't, if you don't know, if you have no definition of the term, what does it mean to you? Nothing. But Adam had a knowledge of this. He will die. Here is God issuing a commandment. A, a real, genuine commandment. You go down the street through the center of town at, at 50 miles an hour, you're going to get a ticket, right? Because the sign says, be limit 25. Well, Adam is now under law, too. God said, if you eat, take from this tree, you will die. Adam knew death, and, he, and if he broke that law, he would have to suffer the consequences, right? that. So we see then that he had the, that Adam knew what death was. He knew that to avoid death he must not disobey God and seek the, the knowledge of good and evil. And see the knowledge of good and evil. He must walk in God's ways. This is God's command. Now, let's turn over to the second chapter, the 18th verse. It says this in 2.18. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. He will make a helper suitable for him. Now, did he say he's going to make a wife for him? No. He's going to make a helper for him. To make a helper for, for 
incredible. Because it's, why? Because it's not good to be alone. Alone. It's a perfect state. But yet God says it's not good for him to be alone, and I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. We know what that's going to be. You see, God had this thing all planned out. So what did he do? He created a wife. He created a wife for Eve. But now notice how this was done. When God said this, it's not good for him to be alone. And all of a sudden, God clapped his hands and said, Eve, show up. No. He didn't do it that way, did he? He didn't make a separate creation here. He knew he was, he was going to do something. That was God's plan. But he didn't just say, right now, Eve's going to here on the scene. Hey, Adam, I'm Eve. No, no way. But look down, verse 20, chapter 2. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. What did God do? So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord God made woman, made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man and brought her to the man. The man said, Now this is my bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He shall be made called woman, for she was taken out of man. It's quite strange, isn't it? Let's figure this thing out. Why did God do this? Why didn't God just tell Adam, you're I'm going to provide a help me for you? And all of a sudden, by his side. Why did Adam, why was Adam put into a sleep? God took a, a rib from him. The reason is this. Mankind was going to be from one blood. Right? Mankind was going to be from one blood. So, when Eve was taken from, from Adam's rib, Eve was from Adam's blood, right? Eve was part of, was part of Adam. Was part of Adam. And this was just the beginning of something. We go over. The verses in Genesis that deal about Abraham, what do you find when God made a covenant with Abraham? That the seed of the Messiah would come in the future would come through Abraham, right? Of course, Abraham had a wife and he was born. It was this that God was creating here a seed way in which the Messiah would come to the world in the future. So instead of creating a woman, say, Adam, here's your wife. Put Adam into a sleep and took his crib. And from Adam, then God brought about Eve. So here you have a single seed 
that's going to go right down through mankind until it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ. Adam, Abraham, David, right? That's why Eve was made this way. God is God out everything. God knows everything. From the beginning, from the foundation of the world, he knew who was going to be saved. He wasn't. He's sovereign. His choice is God's world. doesn't look too good now. Eighth chapter of Romans. The whole universe is groaning. What's it groaning for? Because it's in rotten shape, right? It's groaning to be restored. Okay, so now we have Eve here. Something big is going to happen. Something very big. Remember, Adam was sin-free, right? Eve was sin-free. They had no sin. It's a perfect universe. Everything was provided for Adam and Eve. They were in contact with God. He was in contact with them. Now we get one of the most important chapters the whole scriptures. That is the third chapter of Genesis. This third chapter of Genesis contains the whole gospel. The whole gospel is contained in this third chapter of Genesis. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, we have to identify Satan here, right? Satan, he led other angels against God, right? He's a fallen angel who led a rebellion against God. The angels are the messengers of God. We find out through Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, we find the angels being mentioned because they are the messengers of God. Here is this fallen rebel. whose object is to destroy any gospel witness at all, to destroy God. He'll do anything, try any trick. So he comes to Eve, who was sinless. Here's what he said. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He's a con artist. He's a, a smoothie. Of course, Eve goes on to say that. The Lord said we, we can't eat and so forth and so on. But then Satan goes on to say, you won't die in verse 4. For God knows that when you eat from the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes are going to be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now here's a, he's a real smoothie here, isn't he? Huh? God knows that Eve. He knows that when you take from that from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to be like God. You'll know good, you'll know evil. So, now this is going to pave the way for a decision. 
is going to start to think that if I take, I'm going to gain something, I'm going to be like God, right? In other words, Eve is willing to become a rebel. She is willing to, 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 to rebel against her creator and seek equality with him. Push him aside. Take his place. I want to be God. It not only affected Eve, but it affected Adam, right? Okay. I look at verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, see what she was looking for? He took some and ate it. He also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. In other words, this was a dual conspiracy, right? A dual conspiracy. Adam was not innocent here. Satan spoke through, made the proposition to Eve, right? But then Adam was right there too. And Adam fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Just like Eve did. So here here they are, both of them. Rebelling against their God. Rebelling against God. Now because of that act, there has to be there has to become a consequence, right? Somebody has to pay a price. There has to be a consequence here. And notice verse six. Verse seven. Then, after they committed this act, rebelled against their heavenly father, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, this, this verse here can be very, very twisted around. People can get the wrong impression here. Don't get the idea that, that Adam and Eve were a bunch of little couple of naked people running around the woods. No way. Nakedness here means they, were, they lost something. They were empty. Here's what it means. They were empty. They realized, once they had rebelled against their Heavenly Father, that they had lost something. Something big, big time. What they had lost, they were going to pay a heavy price. And they, they knew now that they had made an awful big mistake. They found themselves naked. We have nothing, all right? Look at us now, huh? Out. Now the thing is this. What are they going to do? They're in trouble. They're in big trouble. But notice God came told them of their condition. And then Adam came back in verse 12. The woman put me here. She gave me some fruit and tree, and I had the big excuse came up. And she told the, the Lord that I, the serpent deceived her. I ate it. And so the Lord cursed Satan. Verse 14. But now, in 15, we come to a very, very important verse. 
one of the most important verses. After they admitted to God that they had rebelled against him, God said this, I will put enmity or hatred between you and the woman. Look at Satan now. Between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. When you read a verse like that, the answer, the question that comes to your mind is simply this, what does this verse mean? How do you interpret this verse? Here you see Adam and Eve, how fallen, facing God. God comes up with this, with this great verse. Well, the first mention of the gospel. This is the first mention of the gospel that's going to save mankind. Hatred between Satan and man, right? I will put enmity between you, Satan, he's addressing Satan here, between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. All right, now, he will crush your head, you will strike his heel. Now, who is this offspring God's speaking about? Our Lord Jesus Christ, right? How do we know? Because the next sentence says this, this offspring going to crush your it's going to crush your going to crush your head. King James says bruise your head. But a better translation is crush or smash. In other words, in some in the future, according to God's plan, Satan is going to be destroyed by our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Christ will destroy Satan. Satan will try to destroy him. And you, Satan, will strike his heel. So you see that he's, this is being addressed to Satan. God is, God is saying, this is Satan, you're going to be destroyed by Jesus. Now you'll get back at him before that happens. You'll bruise his heel. Better to take a, a little bruise in the heel than take a smash in the head, right? In other words, what God is saying is this. That the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ will suffer on the cross, right? For our sins. He'll, he'll be hurt. Satan will try to kill our Lord Jesus. Now look at, the, look at the conditions at the time when our Lord was being crucified, right? Look at those days just prior to the crucifixion. Right up to the crucifixion. What, what were the people doing? They were demanding that Jesus be killed, Right? High priests, the, the other priests, the, 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 the leaders, the government officials, they had one thing in mind in those few days before our Lord was crucified. Let's get rid of him. The objective of these people was to get rid of him. Satan was making his move here 2,000 years ago. He thought that he could destroy Lord Jesus by having him killed. That was the that was the bruise, right? Satan doesn't realize it. He probably realizes it. That we're living in. One step along the path of time. 
which is going to end. And at that time, God will destroy Satan, right? Forever. He'll put Satan under eternal punishment. So here we see this early in the scriptures. That Satan will try to kill our Lord Jesus. Quite hard. Pretty good scheme going. It didn't work. What will work is going to be that day when our Lord brings him before his judgment. And that judgment will, will, will take Satan and convict him and send him to eternal punishment, where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth forever. So here we see the, the wonderful gospel being preached. Now, let's take a look at this thing. We now have Adam and Eve. New condition, right? They have sinned against their father. Now, the big thing with them is this. Their nature has changed, right? Very important. Here they were in perfection. Beautiful. Now when they rebelled, seeking to be equal with God, they have sinned. Sin comes into their hearts, right? They are now, by nature, sinners. They're going to do all they can do throughout all their history, right to this very moment that we're sitting here. They're going to do all they can do to destroy the gospel witness. Try to get back at God any way they can. So we see this that throughout all history, man has always wanted to get rid. Mankind has always wanted to get rid. Witness. Get rid of God. Can't do it. Can't do it. Because that because God is in control. God is sovereign. In control. Now, when man saw this condition, he knew he was a sinner. He knew he was out. Out of God's presence. He analyzed the world. Two questions come. Now he's lost everything. He knew he had lost everything. But now he's going to try to get back. Get back to Eden. He wants to get back to Eden, right? He knows he had a good thing in Eden. He can't get back. All around him. So then he analyzes the situation. And here's what man did. You recognized that the world is in trouble. Men today, though they don't know Christ as Savior, realize that the world is in trouble, right? You talk to people today, and they'll admit this world is in trouble. And the truth of the matter is, it's always been in trouble since Adam's fall. But now it's getting worse. Now it's getting worse than it was even before. The way the whole world is going right now, it's rolling, rolling, rolling. It's rolling toward a climax somewhere around down the line. We don't know when. But man realizes it. Now, here's the thing. He realizes it, but then he does a, a very foolish thing. The second question. 
that he faces. He says, he admits that the world's in trouble. Right. But then he says, we can make it better. We can make it better. Man, since the fall, has tried by different ways to restore Eden, right? He said, we'll make it better. We'll try to restore Eden. And ever since that time, right to today, he tried, but he's failed, right? Politics. He tried economics. psychology. He tried evolution. Go on and on and on. He tried reason. He tried all these different ideas. He tried science. He's saying, if we could put these things together, science and evolution, reasoning and so forth, then we'll create a nice society. Everybody's going to be happy. Hmm. That's why between 1914 and 1945, we had two world wars. Happy time. And millions were killed. That's why throughout man's history, all we saw, we saw salvation. Europe, back in the 1300s, we found one-third of the population killed by disease. Hmm. Man's tried everything. Everything get back to Eden. Not to get back to God. No. He doesn't want to get back to God. He wants to get back to Eden. So, if we look over man's history, we find it's one big failure and he's not going to be able to solve his problem. Why? Because he has a sin nature. It's as simple as that. It's complicated has a sin nature, and that sin nature will not permit him to believe in Christ. He rejects the gospel. He has all sorts of excuses. And he goes on his way trying to figure out things so that he'll be happy. And he's not happy. And he won't be happy. He can't be happy. There's only one way to make man happy. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No salvation, no happiness without Jesus Christ. Sinners by nature? Under church. Second person of the Trinity, God Himself, descended from heaven, lived among us. 33 years, and then subjected himself to a horrible death. Satan thought he had won the victory. Three days later, the tomb was empty. Risen from the dead. He had overcome. After he rose from the dead for 40 days, here on earth with his disciples, one day they gathered together as they were standing with, with our Lord. As they were standing with him, there were two men dressed in white. These two men said, Ye men of Galilee, why are you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who you see going up into heaven, 
will so come again in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. In other words, the king who rose from the dead is coming back, right? Our Lord Jesus, king of kings and lord is coming back. He's coming back for his own. But he's also coming back to judge the unsaved because they have rejected the gospel. But we sit here today, knowing Christ is our Savior, we can sit here with the assurance that the, that the voice, the words of the angels on that, on that ascension morning, that word is true. And there's evidence all around us to prove that, 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 that those words were true. He is coming back. But what's the answer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Amen.